0: If you brought a copy of scripture with you this morning, you can find Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I always feel a little bit like Clark Kent after a baptism, (laughs) but I wouldn't have it any other way. Those are great stories, weren't they? We'll have a few more in the next service as well as you can be praying for those things. We were talking about the parable of the wheat and the weeds, otherwise known as the wheat and tares in the old uh, translation, but... uh, I have, uh, it's a long uh, title to this message, but I want to share it with you because it sort of encapsulates what my goal is for each of you as a result of looking through this parable today. It's titled, The Parable of the Wheat and the Weeds, Having a Long View of God's Plan in This World. That's the title of the message. So that's a lot to swallow, but I hope it'll make sense when it's all said and done. Uh, just the other day, uh, uh, a young pastor got a hold of me, one of these guys that I work with around the country, and he, he uh, was telling me that he was uh, preaching through 2 Thessalonians, he is preaching through 2 Thessalonians, and he got ahead of his schedule, he actually preached on the Antichrist in chapter 2, and he, has a, he, he said, I, I went further than I thought I would be, and I actually have an open Sunday before I continue in 2 Thessalonians, do you have any recommendations for me? I said, you just preached on the Antichrist? He said, yeah. I said, well, I do have a recommendation. This, he came, came in, this scripture came immediately to my mind in 1 John chapter 2, where John writes this. He says, children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. By the way, you have heard that, haven't you? He says, so now many Antichrist, plural, have come. Therefore, we know that it's the last hour. Have you ever read that? As soon as I shared, and by the way, he did it, he's preaching on it this morning in his church, but it hit me. As soon as I said, it hit me because, I th- and I even told him, this is exactly where I'm at in the parable that I'm teaching and preaching on. There really are many antichrists out there, and they're sowing some nasty stuff, nasty seed. And if you look around and you get too enamored with with what's happening in the world, you can be tempted to think that evil is just completely taking over, right? And that is what Jesus had in mind. He knew you'd be thinking that. He knew I would be thinking that. And so this parable, following up on the one we saw last week, the parable of the the, uh, sower and the seed, uh, and now the parable of the wheat And the weeds, beginning in verse 24, here's what it says. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master! Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? The master said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? That is the weeds. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the weed along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now we're only taking a couple weeks on the parables as we continue in this series, the life of Christ. There's thirty-five parables, so it'd be great to have a whole series on them, but we're just giving you two, and these are it before we move on. You can do your own study of the parables, but just to remind you that the word parable used here again in verse 24, it's the Greek word parabole. It's a transliterated word. A transliterated word is a word that in the original language that just transli- or just transferred into the language you're speaking, in this case, English sounds just like parable parabole the word para is a prefix it means alongside and bole is a greek word which means to throw so what a parable is is a story thrown alongside a truth we would know them as illustrations almost every message that's worth its salt has a good illustration to throw light on the truth that the message is trying to convey right and so that's what we have here. These are stories, and Jesus' stories were of everyday events. Everybody would have naturally understood the context. A lot of us, remember this was an agrarian society, so you have a lot of stories like the, the vine, and I mean, all, most of his story had some nature involved uh, in it. And so all would have understood the basic elements of the story, but they would not necessarily understand what they were illustrating. As Pastor Kurt mentioned last week, the parables both both conceal truth from those who are unbelieving and reveal truth to those who are believing, right? So, we're talking about the wheat, the wheat and the weeds. Some of your Bibles say tares. Yeah. So, it, by the way, the word weeds here, it is a word that's only used here. It's a really interesting word. It's it's a weed, but it's a Darnell weed. Um Now, a Darnell weed, this is what's fascinating. Here's what makes this parable so insightful. The Darnell weed looks identical to wheat in the early stages. Absolutely identical. In fact, in Bible times, they called it bastard wheat because it, it was a counterfeit. It was different, but it looked the same as wheat in the early stages. And the farmer would actually think early on, man, I got a bumper crop coming, until it took maturity and realized it was nothing like a bumper crop. So even in fields today, as you drive by farms, you see uh, bean fields and corn fields, and you'll see weeds popping up, right? It's it's typical. It would be typical in those times too, but this is not typical. In fact, it's not typical because you remember he says, an enemy has done this. So he knows his whole field now is, as it's matured, is overrun with weeds. So something nefarious, something has happened. By the way, we're told, we're told the church can expect the enemy to sow weeds in our midst. Did you know that? You don't have to look far to see what the enemy has done and the dirty work he does in churches that on paper you and I could agree with, where the gospel was originally strong, and they've just gone aside. This is not, should not surprise you. This is exactly what Paul said to the Ephesians when he, after spending three years with them. He says in Acts 20, 29, after I leave, grievous wolves will enter into the flock and they won't spare the flock. And in 2 Timothy chapter four, the apostle Paul says that there's gonna come a time where men will be, their consciences will be seared and they'll teach Doctrines of demons. I mean, what do you mean? Churches are teaching demons? No, because they're not teaching truth, they're teaching evil. They just don't even realize it in some cases. I'm reminded of the story I, I, I read years ago of a, of a church in Scotland that had etched in stone right above the door. It said, we, uh, we, we preach Christ crucified. Awesome. Right out of 1 Corinthians 15. Well, there is ivy that was growing up the stone, And they kept preaching, but they quit quit preaching the gospel that Christ was crucified and risen. And the ivy, consequently, had covered up the word crucified. So it just said, we preach Christ. And as the years went on, they quit preaching about Jesus altogether even. They weren't even talking about what he did, the parables he taught. And the ivy kept growing until it finally just said, we preach. And that's the way it goes for many churches. Unless we become smug, the strength of the gospel here at Sailorville Church is no guarantee in this generation that it'll be going on in the next generation. There is no guarantee of that. And if I read my Bible correctly, then every church, every family, and every individual has to beware because we are just one click away from apostasy. So it's incumbent upon us to to take seriously the content of the faith that's been handed down since the apostles and preach the word, amen? amen. Jude even said this. Jude, Jude writes in his little postcard at the end of your New Testament, he says, I wanted to talk to you about our common salvation, but he says, now I got to tell you to contend for the faith, for evil men have crept in unaware. that's, that's, that's was happening then, it's happening now. Now back to the parable in verse 28. Um, uh, You gotta love the servants, the the zeal of these guys. They they suddenly see there's the, the, you know, because early on it looked, they all look the same. They're growing up the same. Suddenly, it's apparent. There's weeds all over this field. And uh, they say to the owner, You want us to go in there and just rip them all out? You got you gotta love that zeal, amen? Kind of like James and John who was allu- they were alluded to last week too, in Luke chapter 9, remember they come back, nobody's listening to them. They say, Jesus, we got an idea. Should we do like Elijah, just call down some fire and just smoke them right there? I would be like James and John at one time, not right now. And Jesus said to them, he goes, you don't know, listen to this, he said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. The Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And that's kind of what he's doing here. They're saying, should we go rip out the weeds? No, 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 you don't want to do that because the root system's probably together and you're going to pull up wheat with the weeds. It's just not a good thing. Let them grow up together. I'll take care of it in the end. That's the reason why I'm giving this title, having a long view of God's plan in this world. So what is Jesus talking about here? Who is Jesus referring to? Well, let me tell you something. He, he isn't referring to the enemies that creep into the church. He's talking about the ones that threaten to take over the world. You say, well, how can you be so sure? That's a good question. Because one of the problems we have with parables, it, because they're illustrations, people tend to take them in all kinds of directions. You ever notice that? With crazy interpretations. It's always, you know, an illustration, remember, is meant to throw light on a truth. It's not intended to become the truth itself. When you walk away and the only thing you can think of is the illustration, that preacher failed. As much as you might have enjoyed the illustration, it's supposed to throw light on the truth. So um, last week, we did a marriage conference for half of our engaged uh, churches down at the embassy suites. And, and um, so I said to these, I, I likened the, our, um, our marriages to trees. And I, I put up several trees. Uh, you ever seen trees? This is called, by the way, these are trees that have experienced what, what uh, uh, biologists call uh, inosculation. That's when, that's when they start to rub together and then they irritate each other. They actually hurt one another. The bark comes off and, and the cambium is revealed and they'll just die unless they come together. And so the two become one. It's kind of a cool thing. And I'm illustrating this and talking about the different kinds of trees. You know, here's a tree. I said that you got two different kinds of trees. This is an unequal yoke. Here's a tree. You saw that one that was just gangly? I said, that's the marriage that's just a mess. And I went on with all these trees. And people loved it for the most part. But at the end of the the talk, a guy walks up to me. He says, he walks up to me. He says, hey, pastor. I said, yeah. He goes, hey, uh, uh, about those trees. I said, yeah. He goes, "Um, hey, hey, my wife and I were looking at those, and uh, we didn't see the same thing you did. He missed the entire point. The point wasn't to make truth out of the trees. I was using the trees to illustrate different marriages, but he was making the trees the whole truth. Ah! <laughs> Thankfully, This parable, we would be hopelessly lost trying to figure out the ins and outs of this parable, this illustration, except that Jesus interprets it for us. It's always nice when you can leave the Bible exposition to Jesus, right? And so he takes the work off the table. You just gotta glide your eyes down a little bit further to verse 36, and you see, here's what it says. Then Jesus left the crowds, because he's been with the crowds up until now, and he goes into a house. So he's not public anymore. He's private. And, and his disciples come in and say, Hey, Jesus, you know that whole story about the, the wheat and the weeds? We didn't get it. Would you explain it to us? Which I love reading that because, like, okay, I'm not much different than they are. They're saying, and by the way, when you don't get something, it's always good to ask. Amen? And so Jesus explains, he literally exposits The parable. He takes all the work off the shelf for us. And look what it says beginning in verse 37. Jesus answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Okay, took that question off the table. The field is the world. Oh, wasn't going to go there with it. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Yeah, that makes sense. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. Hmm. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Mm. And the reapers, they're the angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the description of hell. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, what? Let him hear. Let him hear. So Jesus privately takes his disciples in, and, and, he, and he begins to interpret the parable. There are seven features identified in the parable of the wheat and the weeds. I want to go through them with you. I mean, they're just laid out pretty clearly and just commentate on them. First, the sower of the good seed. That's the Son of Man. That's Jesus. By the way, Jesus' favorite designation of himself was the Son of Man. Because that, he was constantly showing that he was identifying with you and me. And did you notice that Jesus changed what the seed illustrated from the sower? Remember, if you were with us last week, the seed represented truth, right? The ground was the heart, hard hearts, soft hearts, and everything in between. But here, the seed represents people, sons of the kingdom, sons of the evil one. When, um, and, and notice who's the sower, who's the planter here? It's Jesus, you know, we are told, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're told to sow seeds, right? But the ultimate person who makes them stick is Jesus. Uh, again, back to the marriage conference, my wife and I are, 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 the verse we share with this that God gave us many, many years ago is Isaiah 61, verse 3, where it says, God will give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, and watch this, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So whenever God does something, it sticks, amen? And the sower, the ultimate sower that brings salvation truth to people's souls is Jesus. Secondly, the field is the world, it's not the church. This is where a lot of people make big mistakes. They think the field is the church. It's not the church. Jesus is clearly not talking about the world being in the church, but the weeds taking over the world are at least trying to do so. All right? Again, Jesus teaches that there's, you're not, we're not left to kind of you know, conjecture. He tells us these things. Thirdly, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. You see that there. These are believers in the kingdom. Is the kingdom going on right now? Yes, it is. Will there be a fulfillment of the kingdom later on? Yes, there will. Uh, A theologian from Princeton by the name of Voss many years ago gave us the line that many of us have heard, that the kingdom of God is already, but not yet. Have you ever seen that expression? That's a good expression. It's already. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot what? See the church? No, see the kingdom of God. Because when you place your faith in Jesus, you are placed into the kingdom of God. Yes, you become part of the church universal, but you become part of the kingdom of God. Now there's there's another there there's evil still in this kingdom, but there's gonna come a day when Jesus is gonna put a smack down on the rest of this and clean it all up. Amen. When he responds, when he when he returns and sets up his kingdom, but if the seeds, listen carefully now, remember the baptism you just heard of Mallory. If the seeds look so much alike early on, remember the darnell seed and the wheat, one being the darnell seed being absolutely worthless, and the wheat, of course, producing what we make bread with, being worthy, if they grow up together and in the early stages look identical, how do you ever know which is which? You don't, not until they mature and bear fruit. Fruit has always been the barometer for salvation. It's not salvation. It's the barometer of salvation, right? Barometer doesn't make the room hotter or colder. It just tells you what it is, right? Fruit is the barometer. Jesus said, you'll know them by their what? By their fruit. At the end of the parable of the sower, some produce fruit. 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Either way, they produce fruit. If you are one of these individuals, and some of you are, and watching online, you've been a part of the church, you look just like everybody else, you come to church, you go to Sunday school, you have Bible studies, and there's not a lick of fruit in your life, you're not saved. So don't pretend that you are. You kind of look alike, but it'll all come out in the end. It'll all come out in the end. Last night... Our son, who works with college, in a college ministry, was in a big conference in the Des Moines area, and he was teaching a, a breakout with five to 600 students, college students. He's teaching on how to win people to Jesus, teaching them how to evangelize. And as he taught them, it occurred to him, he, a lot, I wonder if a lot of these just aren't saved. So he preached the gospel. This is in a class, and 40-some of them went forward to get saved. Wow. Did they all get saved? Time will tell. In the early goings, they all look alike. And some of you are here, you're playing the game, and you look just like everybody else who really are Christians. It's going to come out in the the wash in the long run. The fruit won't be there. Years ago, a lady asked me, who are you, God's fruit inspector? That was a tough moment for me. I said, no, but I'm a fruit consumer, and I don't eat bad fruit. Nobody buys into bad fruit, right? Or bites into it anyway. At any rate, sower is the seed is the son of man. The fields, the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The bad seed is the sons of the evil one. They are the sons of the evil one, or otherwise known as Satan. These are the lost individuals. They're called sons. The Bible often talks about that. Whenever you see the word son of in the Bible, think nature of, because that's what it's talking about, nature of. So the sons of the evil one have the nature of their father, the devil. And I'm, I'm, talking, to, I'm, not, I'm talking directly to some of you here and those online. You are still, your nature is still evil. It's bent toward there. You need to have your nature changed, Amen. I'm, I'm rarely shocked at the behavior of lost people because I know their origin and I pity their destiny. It's right there, right? Weeping, gnashing of teeth. Remember, the Darnell looks like the wheat early on. Satan is a counterfeiter, he always has been. Wiersbe was right. He said, whenever Jesus plants a child of the kingdom, Satan plants a counterfeit. Just count on it. The apostle Paul said to the Corinthians while he was in Ephesus, I'm going to stay in Ephesus because a great and effective door is open to me and there are many adversaries. Right there in juxtaposition. And so I came up with this line years ago. It's true. Where there's a door, there's what? There's a demon. Count on it. It's just the fact of life just the other day one of the guys i'm working currently with who came to christ not long ago months ago he's just on fire for god he's he's sharing with this friend of his that he loves and he actually brought his friend to our early morning study got to meet his friend super cool guy very not a christian yet but very open to the gospel super cool The very next day, he talked to another friend who said, you can blankety-blank off. That's the way it is. If you're going to sow seed in the kingdom of God, you're going to get all kinds of responses. At any rate, the bad seed in this parable, Jesus tells us, is the sons of the evil one. That's That's a tough thing to swallow, to say that if you're not a Christian, you're not a son of God. You're a son of, of the devil. By the way, Jesus said that in John chapter 8. If you're, You can look it up on your own. He said, you're of your father, the devil. And he said that to the most religious people in the world of that time. The fifth is the sower of the bad seed is the devil himself. Remember, the landowners cry, an enemy has done this. Remember that? He is shocked. And it is shocking, let's be honest, it's shocking the infiltration of evil in this world. Would you agree? It's shocking. Make no mistake, our society is in big trouble because we have a wicked enemy and worse than that, we've let him in and we're holding the door open for him. That's what we're doing right now. False churches focusing on earthly issues and doctrinally sound churches, the kind you could sign off on from a belief perspective that focus on spiritual issues but never give the gospel. Tell me, what is worse? A friend of mine, I shared this with you, he's a part of an international uh, mission And he told me, he said, he visited here, he heard people getting baptized, we preached the gospel, he said, the most refreshing thing about the service is that you gave the gospel. I said, well, we always give the gospel. He goes, Pat, you have no idea. I'm in hundreds of churches. You and I could sign off on them, and they're not given the gospel. Again, I ask you, what's worse a social social church dealing with social issues and never giving the gospel or a church that's orthodox speaking about all kinds of spiritual truth teaching the Bible even and not laying the gospel down I don't know what's worse but the devil's behind it all I can guarantee you that so soon it'll be spring and The pride of homeowners will be on display, beautiful lawns, to walk barefoot in. No weeds, no thistles. This is what my neighbor's yards look like right next to me. (laughs) I have no chance. One looks like a golf course, the other like a park. Now, we've also walked by yards that look like this. Right? Now, when you, when you go by a yard that looks like this, do you think, an enemy has done this? You know, <laughs> the dumbest thing in the world. You don't think that. But you might think, that dude doesn't care. Am I right? Do you care? Our world is fast becoming overrun. Overrun. With Darnell weeds sown by Satan. Do you care enough to counteract that with the seed of truth? Sixth, the harvest, Jesus said, is the end of the age. I love this. The Bible makes it clear that we are responsible to spread the seed of the gospel of gospel truth. But it also makes clear that there's a certain inevitability to the spread of evil. So in 2 Timothy 3:13, Paul says evil men and imposters will wax worse and worse. Have you ever read that? it's it's, it's going to happen. Vance Havner used to say The harvest is the end of the age, not the end of the service. That's why we have to have a long view at looking at God's plan in this world. Sometimes God seems so far away, doesn't he? Some of you right now, individually, you feel like God is so far away. You love him, you love Jesus, and it seems like things aren't going your way. And, you know, everybody else seems to be blessed except you. Why is he allowing the seeming overrunning of evil in this world or in my life? I was watching the state wrestling tournament last night. Wrestling, greatest sport of all time, amen? You've heard that before, haven't you? And in one particular match, the kid was losing and uh, he was going to lose except he made a sudden turn at the end put him on his back and pinned him and won the match that's the way it'll be for us that's why you got to have a long view at what God's doing in this world it might look like things are being overwhelmed overwhelmed and God's going to turn it around and we will win because we are more than conquerors through him who loved us believe it and Wiersbe was right when he said we need to have a long view of what is going on. He was right. Last week, Valentine's Day, I got lots of grandkids, and one of my granddaughters uh, sent me a card. Love her papa, and she at the end she signed, "Have a good day." But then right after that, she, she wrote, even next week. <laughs> you got to love that. Now, that's a girl who's got a long view of happiness. You need a long view as well. The harvest is not the end of the servants; It's the end of the age. And I have news for you. In God's time, Jesus will see to it that not one kernel from and into the kingdom of God is lost. Not one. And finally, the reapers. They're the angels. Remember in the, in the, in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich, the, the, Lazarus dies and the angels come and bring him to heaven. You remember that? And here you have the same thing. Apparently, God tasks angels at the point of death to get his children and usher them into glory. How cool is that? In this case, Jesus says, what a task. But they have a double task. They are not only tasked to bring God's children to heaven, but in this case, to separate and harvest both those who will forever bask in the glory of God, shine even, he says at the end, And those who will forever suffer away from the presence of God with weeping and gnashing of teeth. The only question this morning is, what bundle will you be in? Some of you are trusting the fact that you're in church, you do religious things, and you even look, you know, kind of just like the wheat right next to you. But you're not wheat, and time will tell. Here's the cool thing about it. God will change the nature of the weed and turn it into wheat. Amen? Amen. That's what happens when he gives you a new nature because if anyone's in Christ, they're a new, they're new nature. They're, they're a new creation. And old things are passed away. All things become new. Today, if you will hear his voice... Do not harden your heart. Believe that Christ died for you and rose again and receive him as your savior and go from being a weed to wheat to produce fruit for the glory of God. And God, that is our prayer today, asking you through this parable and your word and your interpretation, Lord Jesus, to change our hearts. Lord, Save those in this room and watching online who's, who They are they're just counterfeit right now. And they're destined to be damned. But Lord, save them. Help them to see that Christ died for them. Repent. If that's you, dear friend, repent of your sin. Confess your phoniness. Believe that Jesus died for you and trust him as your savior right now as we pray. Right now. Trust him right now. And God, I pray for those who are weary from being overwhelmed with evil personally in their lives or just seeing what's happening in this world. Give them the long view and remind them the harvest is the end of the age, not the end of the service or this week or next month. And give them hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.